You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust, bringing conservation to the forefront. Well, we're back again, Sam and Cody, Three Rivers Land Trust. Hopefully have eliminated some of the background noise from our last podcast. It sounded like we were sitting in a tent in the rain, which we were. <laughs> no, or not. We're sitting in Cody's Cody's loud office. The yeah, the studio, which is uh, studio. It's basically my office with a big old air conditioned vent and a computer fan that runs. So until we can upgrade and sound quality, it's gonna sound like we're in a wind tunnel. <laughs> but anyways, I'm uh, working on rounding up the funds to get uh about 12 mattresses to line, line the wall. <laughs> yeah, then I'll feel like I'm in the asylum. Um, Cody's, Cody, a little bit about Cody's office. Uh, it's in the deepest, darkest corner of our of our space that we have here, so he's already trapped back in the back corner where we can hide him from everybody else. So. We call it the Bat Cave. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm out of the public eye, and apparently on purpose. <laughs> um, you walk in my office and it's deer heads and turtle shells and turkey fans and a bunch of Jake beards. <laughs> a lot of Jake beards on the somehow, wall. Somehow I got the office that has the window that looks dead out into the hallway. So when you come into the office, the first thing you see is me, which is a poor management decision. I don't know. It seems to be working, I guess. I don't know. I guess. Maybe we would triple our members if they moved me to Probably. The <laughs> well, anyways, I don't know. Um, so today we're gonna touch on, on on campfire conversations. I don't feel like we say our, our yeah name yeah we don't. Um, yeah, campfire conversations conversations <laughs> convers, conversations today are going to focus on land management um, and some of the hurdles you can face as a land manager managing your private property or if you're a professional um, like myself either way um, land manager biologist combination whatever you might have um, there's a lot of challenges that are similar no matter where you are in the in the state um, and one that we've encountered a lot recently is uh, the challenge of trespass uh, before we before we get into that uh, I think an important thing to touch on that I think I'm proud of this organization for doing is being active stewards of our of our land. Not many land trusts um, are as active as we are, and that's not a knock against them. It's a hard, it's a very hard thing to do, um, and we have a lot of plates spinning. But we're fortunate, very fortunate, to have Cody on staff, um, who used to work for the Wildlife Resource Commission as a land manager. And, uh, as a biologist, and we were fortunate to, to get him on our staff, and he's um, taken this organization, you know, to new places in terms of land management, and uh, I think that kind of speaks to our mission as, as a conservation organization, is not only protecting the land, but also managing it, and, um, and really taking care of it, and being good stewards of it, so uh, with no further ado, Cody Fuller. Yeah, huh. well, the thing about managing your property or property for somebody else is it's, it's not cheap um, you've got to have equipment 
a lot of times they do habitat manipulation. Um, you can't do everything by hand. Uh, a lot of it can be done, you know, just with a little blood, sweat, and tears. But you know, large scale stuff, you really got to have some some equipment to get it done. So that's that's one hurdle that that you can face. And then the other one is is those technical skills um, that you can only get either from working for an agency that can provide that training or just through growing up on a you know a farm or you know being trained in it professionally in school um, it's just it's something that I wouldn't say is hard to come by but it's it's not something that's readily available no um, and so that that's a hurdle for a lot of you know smaller land trusts I'm sure um, is getting someone and getting having the funds to uh, contribute to that as well mm -hmm. but first thing takes basically no skill um, other than a little, I don't know, being sly like a fox, I guess. <laughs> Catching that daggone trespasser, man. Um, it seems like, seems like our property is like the mecca for folks to get lost on. And I put that in quotes, get lost mm. on accidentally um, without being a member or having written permission, which is a North Carolina state law. It's a requirement on private property to have written permission dated within the year. I'm, I'm not even going to say, I don't even want to say the name of the property, just to like promote. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not going to ever get into specifics, because I, don't go out there trespass, I'll catch you. Um, but uh, <laughs> I probably won't, because everybody else is getting away with it. Um, but this, uh, this place, it's, uh, it's a great place, it's a great place for an outdoorsman, but it's fairly central to some public land that's, that's not far away, but it's poorly posted. Probably partially my fault since I used to be the land manager for that piece of public land. Um, but folks still. But I'll signs. tell you, what's not poorly posted is, is, this, is this property. Is that this property talking. now? Yeah, it's it's uh, only thing left is to put up a neon sign that says no trespassing yeah. at this point. Um, the public land, it's 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 not really. I'm not going to blame it on anybody because it's not fee owned, as in it's not under title ownership by the state. It's actually leased by the state for public access, but it's owned by a third party. Mm -hmm. uh, and this piece of property there, um, you know, folks still steal signs because they look cool hanging, yeah. in their, hanging in the shed, man. Very, just to tie this all together before we get into it, we caught a trespasser um, a few days ago. Yeah. And the warden who came, who's the warden for the county of this property, said that particular game lands that we were talking about is not very well posted because of theft yeah. of those signs. So uh, that's not only from our mouths, that's from the warden himself saying, you know, people people should do like to take those signs. Yep, and it's, it's a fact. I, I learned it from working there. You can put fresh boundary on 300 yards of property line and two days later it'd be gone because somebody's like, man, that's a shiny new sign. It looked good in my bedroom. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those college boys trying to decorate for cheap. Yeah, sure. But uh, don't what I'm getting at is it's, it's semi-hard to find, but it's there's really no excuse for going on to posted land when it's posted the way our fee on piece of property is posted. But folks tend to get lost. Um, they they like the way it looks, so they come on down to, to our end of the road and, and, and get lost on our property. And sometimes they get caught, sometimes they don't. But I love the uh, the excuses. The first one, the first one I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wasn't, 
which I've tried to claim that I was there for it, but I guess I'm misremembering because I've heard the story so many times. But tell, you tell the story. Your, you placed yourself there <laughs> in your mind. <laughs> tell the story of the three, how, of the three, the three guys, guys and how they knew they weren't. How they knew they weren't. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that that is a good story. That actually, I actually let these guys go because it was such a good. They had such a good excuse. Um, but these these boys were from out of state. Um, just moved here for jobs and whatnot, and our particular piece of property, there's a little bit of surveillance on it just for the reason of trespass, so we can make sure the property is good for our members. Actually, to to dissuade any trespassers listening right now, there's a lot, a lot of surveillance. There's a bunch of surveillance. Um, on these properties. There's some surveillance. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's surveillance, and uh, so. One morning I'm, before work, I'm dropping. Not, and that's not to call our <laughs> listeners trespassers. I know y'all wouldn't. Y'all wouldn't. You do wouldn't that. do that. Um, but if you think. But if it, you do, it will <laughs> catch it. That's all I'm saying. I'm. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on my way to work, and I'm dropping off my son at, at daycare, and my phone goes off, and I've got this picture on the trail cam, and I'm thinking, well, this is this is going to be a critter. It's a critter. It's three dudes, three three dudes just walking walking by, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, hunting season is the week before opener of dove season, so it's like Thursday. Dove season opens on Saturday, and a little background: we've got this big dove hunt planned for our members. Um, gonna have gonna have a ton of folks out. We've got all the fields prepped the week before, burned off, mowed, sunflowers, millets, corn. I mean, everything, everything you can think of. It's a buffet for doves. And yeah. for all wildlife, yeah. this is this is just a great tie together to yeah. the land management story. Yeah, not to get off topic, but I mean, Cody put in a wildlife planning with all those species that he just listed off. That was a benefit for doves, but it was, I mean, for all the critters. Yeah, there's 61 acres of field and cover and edge put out specifically for songbirds and migratory game birds. So, anyways, these boys are walking. And they walked by my camera, and I was like, well, they don't have permission to be there because I called and checked with Sam. Um, he's like, no, I didn't I didn't talk to anybody. So I, I run up there, and these boys are still in, but they they, they had, believe it or not, our, our phone number's plastered everywhere out there. And they had called the office and talked to somebody, but um, still weren't sure where they were at and decided to take a walk anyways. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I pulled up, waited on them to come out, and they came out, and we got to talking, and you know I, I let them know that it was it was private property, and they said, well, we got down, we got down to where you just burnt that field off, and and we're looking for doves, and there was just the sky got black with doves, and so we knew we had to be in the wrong place because it's <laughs> in the public land, and so I just I laughed that off because. I felt good that they, they were like, yeah, it's too good to they be true. They buttered you up. If it's too good to be true, it is. And yeah, See, it had been anybody other than the land manager yeah, they who, who had done the yeah. field, but they buttered you up with a compliment. Yeah, they buttered me up. So, But to their credit, they were just, I mean, they were just walking and weren't carrying guns. They they had called. Um, I verified that. So one of letting those boys off. But more recently, we had three other boys um different fellows come in, grown men, not boys, grown men, um, come in and just take off, n- not with a phone call or any kind of excuse, just take off and go hunting and, and mess up a couple of paying uh, members. Um, and those members were actually pretty upset about it. And wound up catching those those boys as well. And uh, they, uh, 
they were cited for trespassing. Um, I only cited them with a little bit of community service to my knowledge and I figure the, the judge hopefully will assign them to us doing a little boundary posting <laughs> and uh, that's, that's where that's going. But then more recently than that was this fella, this fella the other night. <laughs> Sam and and I, uh, before you get into that one, um, back to what Cody said about like the sports members and the members, our members, you know, having to deal with that. So we, we have and are promoting this program as a program where you're getting access to a large chunk of land where you can hunt it and you don't have to worry about somebody else walking on. Um, and so when somebody comes on to the property, they make me look like a liar because <laughs> I've told our members, hey, it's this, all yours. <laughs> you don't have to worry about somebody else being out here. Yep. And uh, so I get a phone call from this sports member who has had these three guys walking on the ground underneath his stand carrying guns, you know, and, and hunting and messed up his hunt, one. But, I mean, it's a safety thing. Yeah, too. trespass is all about, well, A, it's about respect. But, B, it's about safety. You, you can't you can't trespass and expect that it's going to be safe. It's just not going to be. Yeah, sure. Because um, you don't know who's out there, and, and they certainly don't expect you to be there if they've got permission and you don't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so, so it's already got me. It's already got me in a foul mood. Because I'm the one who, along with Cody, who has to deal with it, one. I don't mind it. It keeps me entertained. But two, I get the phone call from somebody saying, hey, maybe I'm not getting exactly what I paid for here. And we're, we're saying it's happening a lot. It's, it's happened. We've called a few. But the program, for the most part, most of our members haven't had to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is, I'm telling three stories because that's the three times that I can think of. But that being said, three is too many, and it's uh, yeah. And for every three that we catch, no telling. Yeah, no telling what we're missing. But yeah. luckily, we have eyes on the ground too out there in ter- yeah, from our members, members who, and neighbors between mm-hmm. members and neighbors. Uh, the place is pretty well policed. But yeah, I want to get into this this story we we're just getting into. But this most recent one, um, fella, pulls up. We've got an informational kiosk, uh, which kiosk if you. Not familiar with the term. It's a big old sign. I mean, big it's old, big. Big old huge sign um, with maps, um, phone numbers, contact numbers, information on you know what you've got to do to have permission to be there. The whole nine yards. Um, it's it's basically a how to access this property. Um, this fellow has parked in front of this sign <laughs> without permission and took off on a hunt with me and Cody there. Yeah, we were there working, um, doing some some land management activities and uh, some other stuff, and come out and this fellow's gone hunting, and so we wind up having to wait till you know sunset before we like, come out. Yeah, and I'd like to add an anecdote to that as well, which is we got there at ten in the morning. I I had had a beef stick <laughs> on the way out for my breakfast, and Cody had not eaten. Yeah, I'd skip lunch. And we skipped lunch because we were working. Trying to get it done. So we're like talking about how we're ready to go grab a bite to eat. Cody's ready to go to go see his son. It's Friday. I'm yeah, trying. To, that's the problem. It was Friday. It's Friday. I'm trying to get to the house, enjoy enjoy yeah. a weekend off. Yeah, here's this this guy. And and he's going hunting, and I'm not going to go look for him. So yeah. we just we just have to post up stewing. Yep. So contact the local wildlife officer. Let him know. Give him the plate uh, off the vehicle. Um, guy comes walking out. Turns out, super nice guy. Uh, just made a bad decision. He uh, 
saw the sign, actually also called the phone number and didn't get an answer, so took that as the green light to go check things out. <laughs> um, With the firearm. And, you know, he wound up getting sighted, and Sam just listed the reason why. It was it was late, cost us just extra a, work. Just a bad day. He, it, just yeah. a poor day for him to come out and do it, because we were already hungry, and just... Uh, it just got us. It got us stewed up. Cody, and to Cody's credit, because I was sitting over there, I was very quiet. Uh, Cody couldn't have been nicer to the guy. Uh, but yeah, there, there was there was no getting off on that one. Yeah, and I don't. And he had to get excited because at this point, I already had a LEO officer on the way, and uh, you know, the wheels were already set in motion before he ever came out of the woods. So um, it wasn't like he was going to get to slide out. Without, without talking to the officer. So he went up and talked to him. We talked to the officer for him as well. Told him that, you know, this fellow was super nice, but, you know, made a real bad decision on, you know, going ahead. That's like, and my, well, actually, the wildlife officer through this, this scenario, I was just like walking up to a man's door, knocking on the door for permission. The man doesn't answer the door, so you just take off and go hunting behind his house. Yeah. The same principle, just because he called the phone number, you know, nobody answered. That doesn't give you the green light. So, the fellow learned a lesson, but not knocking on folks from up north. But this fellow was also from up north. Um, just, uh, I, I'm guessing. I've done some hunting up north. I've done hunting all over the country, and and I've never thought once about taking off on a place I didn't know for sure was legit for me to go on. I'm just not. I'm just. I don't know. I just don't have that bone. Before we before we get on to other land other land management and, and kind of the benefits of the land management that we do, it's it's something that we Cody and I have recently got this app called Onyx Hunt Maps mapping system for yourself. It's a third party system, so it's it's a tool that you can use to make sure you're on public land, but it's not like your primary tool. Like you should still go onto the Wildlife Resource Commission website. And look, look for, and, and look, look for, for public land, yeah. Or go on the county GIS in, in North Carolina, all 100 counties. If you're listening here in North Carolina, write this down. All 100 counties in North Carolina have a public GIS tax record system online. You just Google the county and type in GIS after that, and you can access county tax maps of everybody's land and see who owns it and what their address is all the way down to what they pay in, in taxes every year mm -hmm. and you can find it and it's pretty daggone up to date mm -hmm. it's it's more up to date than the app because the app it's running off of that as well um so but you, that would be your primary resource yeah that's, like, and that's if you're how going you hunting somewhere that's your primary resource or you're going hiking or you're it, whatever outdoor recreation you plan on doing if you're unsure that's your tool and you yeah. can go use it and then if you want to get this on x hunt map as a third third party app um, that you can use as verification that you're in the right place, it's a great tool to have. But there's something about this app that gives, that's just giving people a false sense of security. This is just... Yeah. Either they don't know how to use it, because it's a great app. Um, I use it for work and, and like it. Um, I think it's making people dumber um, as far as figuring out where they're at. I think... I think navigation is a lost art anyway. Mm. I think reading a paper map or a gazetteer or, or a QBS map, I think that's just going out the window. With that's archaic. Yep. Apparently people think it's archaic. I, I don't like it, but <laughs> I'm not, that's a whole other podcast. 
the thing the thing about this app is, is this guy had it and he's like well I'm, I'm on the, he's like I'm on public land because he clicked on it and he's like see how it's lit up green and I showed him I said man the green is showing what parcel you've clicked on I was like he didn't even have his public land layer turned on to see what was public land so you know if you're going to use that and that's going to be your primary thing at least check to make sure you know how to use it and practice with it I mean he had downloaded it in the car yeah, sitting there in front of the kiosk. So that told me he already knew that it was kind of sketchy yeah. for, him to, for him to strike out with a firearm, and then he did it anyway. So not a lot of sympathy for, for, this, for this this gentleman. But he, he got off real easy. Um, he'll probably wind up, you know, with a with a minor citation at the at the at the most because he was a nice guy. Um, but. You know, being a nice guy doesn't give you a good reason to <laughs> go mess up somebody else's hunt. But so that's just that's one hurdle. That's one hurdle that took me twenty minutes to talk about. Um, but it was on my mind before before we just get before we just get off on the pessimistic train, taking us to Anger Town. Let's talk about the positive the positive types of land management that you're doing uh, and just kind of some of the benefit that we've that we've provided we can talk we're talking about this one po- this one property in particular so let's continue talking about this property and just some of the different things that, that you and I have done out there that I've helped you um, assisted you on um, that I think are really cool that people people would like to hear about yeah so big probably the biggest production item we did was uh, this Particular piece of property has a clean water easement on all the uh, blue line streams on it. So anything within 500 feet of these streams is basically off limits for a lot of manipulation work. So herbicides off limits, uh, soil disturbance for the most part off. Um, but we uh, we wanted to still, and it had been previously in agriculture before the easement was placed. Um, and just the way the easement's written, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. We're uh, we're not a, we're not the easement holder on this particular piece of property. But what we wound up doing um, to manage some of the the species that were coming up, and species included cocklebur, dog fennel, um, a lot of the invasive stuff that you don't really want. Um, it's not it's not non-native invasives. It's just stuff that can take over, and it just takes a lot to get rid of. And it's not bad cocklebur and dog fennel. Let me say. That's not a bad plant as far as vertical cover goes. It's just not a good plant from a wildlife food aspect. It's a good vertical cover, but it also shades out all the good plants that are providing, you know, food and cover. Quickly touch on vertical cover for somebody who may not know what you're talking about. So vertical cover is is, is pretty self-explanatory on the, the vertical part. It's it's standing vertical, but it's something that critters can hide underneath. It's a good bedding area for for your larger game. Dog fennel is great for your small game too because of the way it grows. It grows in clumps and therefore small game like quail, rabbits, they can make little trails underneath and be hidden from avian predators. Yeah. So and just for example, I was just this past week hunting over dog fennel and had a hawk flying maybe six, seven feet off the ground, taking laps, and there was game, um, small mammals and birds that were down in that vertical cover that would have been SOL yeah. without it there. Yeah, so. So, so, it, so it's not a bad plant, it's just not the best. And when you're managing a piece of property, you want it to be the best. And 
And so, that, but a side note, we're talking about dog film. If you're listening and you're a deer hunter, something cool about it, if you can get it when it's green, it's an awesome cover scent to break off, rub on your clothes, throw it in your, your scent bag with your hunting clothes. Dog fennel's an awesome cover scent, and it's free. So there's that. But, you know, what we did in this particular instance, we uh, decided we were going to plant bottomland, native bottomland hardwoods um, there. We're going to plant a bunch of seedlings. So we wound up getting three Boy Scout troops. Um, let's see who else. Mountain Khaki came out with a with a couple of you, folks, uh, Michelin Tire, Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo, 60 Leopold, 60 yep. or 70 Leopold yep. Society kids, Leopold Society kids from you know Sam's Youth Outreach Program, local, local kids. I'll give I'll give the shout out to the schools. It was yeah. uh, it was actually Salisbury Academy on that one that came out. So it was Salisbury Academy out there. So they had a bunch of middle school kids out there and Catawba College. Yep, Catawba College. Dang, I can't believe I left out Catawba College. Catawba College was shout there. Shout out to Jay Bolin. Yeah, yeah, he came out with his uh, environmental group. Um, his environmental class actually, um, and they uh, may have been botany, I don't remember. But anyways, they came out and helped us plant trees, and Sam and I did, uh, we dug 4,000 um, holes. To tie this back, to tie this back to Cody's first point about equipment, at this point, Cody and, and our board, who were super thankful, I know Cody's super thankful to, approved the purchase of a tractor. So Cody now has some really proper equipment to do some of the land management work. This time we did not have that tractor and we did not have the proper tools so we went down to the local rental shop and got a 200 200 pound 150 pound at least 200 yeah very heavy auger and drug it across a soggy wet bottomland <laughs> stand and augered 4,000 holes yeah. yeah and prior to that we had actually gotten permission from clean water to uh, seal this place soften the soil up because it was a pretty bad hard pan there from all the years of uh, agriculture so we tilled it and then we had we had planted it with winter wheat in order to get a nice lush green cover before we went in and planted these trees to give these trees a chance to sprout up and get up above all the competing vegetation mm -hmm. because winter wheat was going to stand until you know late spring early summer before it started to lay over and um that would give those tree, trees a chance to put down roots. So we did that, we dug the holes, we had all those kids out, planted these trees, and uh, they're all bare root seedlings. We planted a whole bunch of different species. We mixed them together, had the kids help with that. We did Piedmont white oak, Piedmont willow oak, um, we did overcup oak, we did black walnut, and crab apple. southern crab apple. Yeah, threw in a little spice with southern crab apple. I know that's not a bottomland hardwood for all you dendro folks, but, but it was, a significant site that would would support this tree so we did that one as well to have soft mast out there and uh, those trees are even though they've been inundated we've had two hurricanes so they've been inundated underwater twice um, under like when we say underwater under six to eight feet of water we're yeah. talking like pond yeah so they've made it they they held their leaves there's I would say 75% survival rate on these trees they put down good roots they're gosh they were what 12 inches tall when we planted them and now they're three feet tall in places and some places you know 24 inches um so they've definitely grown that's one that's one thing we did um other stuff we've done we've done last year we burned uh 150 some acres uh prescribed burning um we did all that in-house um, i'm a burn boss and sam he's uh working on his burner certification as well and he's been out 
burning with me. Um, we typically have, depending on the size of the block, we're going to burn. It's it's all in stand burning for the most part with some native warm season grass fields, um, and we usually burn with three to six folks. Um, and we've burnt without a without a bulldozer for backup most of those times. So we've been in a few hairy situations, but nothing nothing we couldn't handle yet. Had some good burn days. Got a lot of good burns in. Um, and we'll see what else. I would, no, I'm interested in I'm interested in hearing from a burn boss and a wildlife biologist. For you know, I've got to hear the spiel, but I think you know your quick touch on the benefits of burns. Benefits of burns. So depends on well, a lot of it depends on your objectives and what your cover type is, where you're burning. Um, one of the main places we were burning last year was um, in stand burning in pine plantation. Um, these pines have all been thinned. It's a way to set back the hardwoods that are that are starting to come up, those undesirable hardwoods, sweet gum, maple, all your early successional species. It's a way to top kill those. Um, remove that that duff layer um, of pine needles in order to re- do a hazard reduction. Um, and also increases sunlight by, you know, the few trees that you do kill or, you know, vice versa, you, you, the ones you want to kill, those hardwoods. Um, it'll increase sunlight in the forest floor um, and cause germination of all kinds of forbs. Um, stuff that's really you want to promote for wildlife um, you'd be surprised at what will come back in two weeks after a burn um, I mean it's just unbelievable to walk out there and see all the flowers that are coming up in early spring after a burn and it's amazing to see just for somebody who's new to it um, and I, I've really enjoyed the experience that I've got to enjoy burning and and being a part of that but also getting to witness the wildlife that comes into a burn site turkeys look after after the burn's over i mean it's just unbelievable yeah our most our most successful turkey hunts this year were all on blocks we burned um folks that say you know you shouldn't burn early spring because you know turkeys are nesting turkeys will re-nest if they've nested early um and you've got to look at the good of the many not the good of the one and from a burning standpoint you're you're setting back that habitat that they like um and making it more desirable for them for the next three to eight years and putting more food out there for them so it's not just about the one or two turkeys that might be nesting it's about the entire flock that's using that place um so you got to look at it from that they were fat and happy yeah yeah so it was i mean it's a great it's the best one of the best turkey blocks we've got um and then another you know another prescribed burn is site prep burning we did a little bit of that we had a site that we uh we timbered it, um, left all the uh, longleaf that was on the property in order to restore it to native longleaf, which is what it was historically. Um, before we went in and planted longleaf, we did a site prep burn out there to burn off all the slash that was left behind from the logging job. Um, that was a, a nice fire as well. It, it puts those nutrients back into the soil, gives you a good place to plant seedlings and give them a good chance to get started. Um, so that was another one. The other ones we do are the warm season grass. They, they're fire dependent. Without without fire, you're going to wind up having to take over with the other successional species. And fire is just a way to set that back for really cheap. We're burning, on average, between all the different types of burning, um, we're, we're getting around $43.50 per acre. That's what it's costing us to burn. Imagine doing a herbicide application. Um, that's roughly... Hundred and seventy-five dollars per acre uh, minimum. So yeah. it's a it's a really a cost-effective way to manage large landscape 
and it's also just you know it's a natural occurrence. Fire has always been here, and hopefully will continue to be here. We're we're a little bit over our typical thirty, but I think I want to touch on one more thing, which is something that I that I learned and, and, and Cody taught me. Uh, you like the term warm season planning or, or wildlife mixture, and you do not like the term food plot. <laughs> so, from a, so if you're around a wildlife biologist like Cody, don't say food plot. And that's something that I, uh, <laughs> I'm sure I did it before I was told differently. But why? Why, why do you not like well, that term? I don't know. I think it's the connotation sure. behind food plot. When you say food plot, I picture a dude in a box stand sitting over a clover patch deer hunting. And, and it's done specifically for, for deer. To draw in deer. It's basically bait. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, there's nothing. I'm not saying that's bad because it's not. It's a great habitat tool. But when you're planting anything with the, with the end goal of having something for wildlife, don't just look at the one thing. Like a clover plot is good for deer. It's also good for a ton of other species, including the pollinators that are going to use it in the springtime. And you need to lay out your quote-unquote food plot. You need to lay that out in a manner that it's going to provide all those things that other critters need. Um, all those other species on the landscape, you need to provide a lot of edge. When you're planting these wildlife openings, you're going to want to look and put them in place like a, like a logging room. A ton of edge on the logging road, so you've got that stair step down I mean on your very edge you've got you know you can have your warm season grass it's a little bit taller and then out in the center you can have your clover your wheat your oats and then on the very very edge outside of that you're going to have your you know your timber so it's a stair step down in vertical height and that's something that wildlife like and when I say edge that's what I'm referring to is those different types of edge different types of habitat meeting together so you know one of the great ways to hunt or the great ways to view wildlife are these travel corridors that are always going to be two or three different cover types, which is different types of habitat touching each other. That's an edge. So when you've got a cornfield, where do the deer come from? They come from the woods on the edge. It's literally what that means. So it's sure. a different habitat types. Or when you've got a pine stand that touches a hardwood drain, you know, the hardwood drain that runs through the center of a pine stand, that's typically where you're looking see where your where your animals are traveling that's a travel corridor that's edge and when you're doing these wildlife openings or these wildlife plantings um, it's going to be on edge and so that's what you're, 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 you're creating that edge effect which was a natural thing on the landscape before man through you know natural disaster um, or you know the various activities of nature whether it be lightning strikes or or you know wildfire um, all the different things that's where edge came from and, and a lot of our species that we love to hunt are edge species um, so that's that's the reason I don't like the term food plot I also don't like it just because when you're planting something if you're planting a mixture which most fellas who are planting fellas and gals who are planting something for wildlife they're not planting just one species they're like I'm gonna do a cool season plot they're gonna be planting two or three different kinds of clover they're gonna plant wheat or oats, or you know, all the all the above. And that's is that to is that to provide different types of food for different periods throughout that season, different intervals, different heights out out in the field itself. Um, you know, it's going to provide different things for different critters. You know, the the songbirds are going to eat the wheat, the seed, 
but the deer are going to browse some on the green leaves when they first come up. The pollinators, you know, your bees, your hummingbirds, they're all going to hit the clover flowers when they flower in the spring. The deer are going to browse on them whenever they're young, the young shoots as they come up in the winter when they're struggling to find an acre. Um, so it's, it's a wildlife thing. It's, it's, it's a whole lot more than a food plot. So don't get tied up on the term food plot. Uh, and the and same goes for your warm season plots. Warm season plots are the same way. They're providing vertical cover. They're providing food during a stress period. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely shying away from the term food plot. Give me, we'll end it here. Cool season planning, warm season planning, define that. Okay, so it's exactly what it is. Cool season planting. But not, we're talking time of year. Time of year. So when, when you four seasons. Your four seasons, mm-hmm. you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. Your cool season plantings are going to start in the fall, late summer to fall, and they're going to run through the winter. Mm-hmm. Your warm season plantings are going to be planted early spring to mid spring and run through the end of summer mm-hmm. until the first frost. Um, so you're planting species that can tolerate whatever type of weather you're going to be wanting to grow them in. So if you're going to do a warm season planting, you're going to be planting species that are going to grow during the warm season. You're doing a cool season planting, you're going to plant species that are going to grow during the cold season through a frost and flower in the spring. And you can rotate all in one field, you can have fields dedicated to each one, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, anyway, that's a little look into land management hurdles and the things that uh, go along with it, I guess. God, we didn't even get into timber. Yeah, we didn't get into timber heart. There's a lot we didn't get into, but hard to squeeze it into 30 minutes. Um, I thought I think that was good. Maybe we'll have a a, uh, a precursor episode. Um, look for the next episode to be about the uh, all ladies hunt we're sponsoring coming up this weekend. We were thinking about doing it and bringing in uh, my boss, Mikey Folk, and and Steely, who is our our newest employee, who um, just got hunter safety certified and is going to be able to participate in that. But I'm glad we didn't. Because we're gonna have stories to tell maybe yep. next week. So yep. I think have some stories. Out. It'll be it'll be real good. So look forward to seeing how those. And uh, Cody and I are guiding too. We got fortunate enough to be. <laughs> to yeah. Be so there. look forward to see who's gonna be top guy. Top guy. All right. See y'all later. If you like us, you're riding down the road, listening to the podcast on your commute. Well, when you get to where you're going, don't forget. Like us on Facebook. Check us out at our website, FreeRiversLandTrust.org. You'll find out about all the events we're putting on, how you can get involved, how you can help, how you can participate. We'd love to meet like-minded individuals and get you involved in conservation. Till next time.